Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring post-reorg in the European and SEMIA market. It's Tuesday, August 9th. I'm Giulia Rusconi. And I'm Richard Woolley. Coming up this week, senior reporter Aurelia Siedelhofer will tell us about some high-yield and loan credits with maturities in 2023 and those which might face refinancing difficulties. She'll also address the latest news on German real estate company Adler. Credit analyst Shenda Shu will give us an overview of Danish industrial engineering group Norican and its refinancing prospects. And Covenant lawyer Jamie McDougall will explain the risks for lenders of increased value leakage from the borrowing group where a senior facilities agreement has a so-called available amount basket with no annual excess cash flow sweep and why bondholders also need to be concerned about this. Investors and restructuring advisors are monitoring high yield and loan credits with maturities in 2023 as a challenging primary market makes refinancing difficult. Aurelia is our senior distressed debt reporter and has been discussing with market participants the issuers who have maturities in 2023 and will have to refinance this year or next. Aurelia, before we dig into specific issuers, what's the general sentiment on refinancing? Well, um, avid listener to this podcast probably already know that um, after quite a busy 2021 for the primary market, this year has been a lot quieter, especially since the Ukrainian war started and as inflation bites various companies. Um, so we saw some issues not being able to access the markets and other withdrawing offerings after coming to market. So it seems almost a bit unimaginable now that credits like Douglas, which was probably the most famous one that um, was a bit like a refinancing um, wonder uh, in March last year. So this means for issuers that have to yet to refinance their 2023 maturities, they're facing a much, much tougher environment. And some of them are kind of running out of time which makes restructurings more likely. Right, right. And what are the names which uh, could face some difficulties in the near future, do you think? Well, there are actually already some where restructuring negotiations have started. So, for example, um, the German real estate companies Accenture and Core Estate. But on others, the picture is a bit less clear. One of them is uh, another German one, uh, retailer, Taco. Um, a lot of people expect uh, there to be some kind of restructuring. Um, it has a maturity wall next year, uh, including about 510 million notes coming due in November 2023. And there's also a letters of credit facility as well as a super senior facility that would need to be extended. Um, overall, a lot of people told us they think the company just has too much debt and uh, wouldn't be able to afford to pay a higher coupon which it would likely have to do in this environment if it came to market now. Um, but there are still a lot of things about this situation that are not entirely clear. One of them is that investors are a bit split about whether the sponsor Apex would make an equity injection, for example, to support a refinancing or even a restructuring transaction. And that could make quite a big difference to the outcome of that situation. Got it. Okay. And, and what about issuers with more positive refi prospects? Yeah, so it has been a bit quiet about uh, Raffinery Heide, for example, which um, has a 250 million bond due December this year. 
Um, however, here people are relatively constructive, saying that the owner intends to add the Kallenberg refinery to the restricted group, which would probably support the refinancing. And this company being a refiner, um, the the market environment is just a lot more favorable at the moment with a lot of other oil companies uh, reporting pretty healthy refining margins. So that's, this should help. But obviously, we'll have to wait and see um, what kind of refinancing they're offering to the market. Um, and then there's also Norican, which I think uh, Shenda is going to talk about a bit later. Um, People here are also pretty constructive, um, saying the, the sponsor here could support the company if necessary. And a lot of people also like that this company derives a lot of earnings from the aftermarket, so uh, providing parts to machines that they've already sold, which is seen as a kind of stable income. And then last but not least is the cruise company Hurtigruten, which um, is another one that people are relatively relaxed about. It has um, a 130 million term loan and a 46.5 million term loan um, maturing in June 2023. But people say, given that the matures are pretty small, it would probably be easier to refinance it, potentially with a bond tap, which is what the company tried to do and then didn't. Um, but even if that fails, uh, this could be maybe an amend and extend transaction. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And just to uh, remind our subscribers, the article on these issuers is available on our website under the tag High Yield Industry Update. Um, Aurelia, uh, we touched on some German real estate companies earlier, uh, but as I have you here, I would be remiss if we didn't speak a little bit about Adler. You've been following that one really closely. Um, could you give us a bit of an update on what happened this week with it back in the news? Yeah, so Adler is always a bit of a saga. Um, last week was quite interesting. So um, early in the week, the German regulator Bafin put out an announcement saying that it considers the Gerresheim project, so a real estate project, um, which is also sometimes referred to as the Glasmacherviertel, as overvalued by 170 million to 233 million in the Adler real estate accounts 2019. And some people I spoke to after think that this is really bad news as the regulator hasn't even finished reviewing the accounts and hasn't really made any announcement like this before. So for some people, this means there's likely more bad news to come on this. Um, obviously, the, we'll have to wait, you know, what else they publish on this from a regulatory side. And then there was also some more negative news um, from Piers Vonovia and LAG Immobilien. They are, they are big German real estate companies. Um, LAG said that it will definitely not exercise a call option to acquire Adler's 63% uh, stake in BCP properties. And Adler was sort of um, hoping to use uh, money from the proceeds of this transaction to maybe make some debt um, repayments or service the debt. Um, the company has been in a lot of financial difficulty and it seems pretty unlikely that they would be able to come to market to issue new debt at the moment. And it does have a 500 million bond due April 2023 on Adler real estate level and um, a smaller one on Adler group level 
in November 2023. So, um, and yeah, on Vonovia, that was more a bit of a general sentiment on the on the real estate market that they said they were going to sell um, a huge portfolio of uh, of German real estate assets. And obviously, if if everybody is selling, um, that's not good news for valuations, generally speaking. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Aurelia. Um, and uh, just to note that Reorg's credit analysts are working on a cash flow analysis on Adler, uh, which we'll be able to provide a bit more information on next week. So please look out for that. Thank you very much. So we have just mentioned Norican, the uh, Danish industrial engineering group, which has about 340 million euro senior secured notes maturing in May 2023 and a 55 million RCF uh, maturing three months earlier in February 2023. The notes are currently trading at 89, yielding 21%. And today I have here with me uh, credit analyst Shenda Chu, who has been looking into this name. Hi Shenda, could you give us some um, an overview of this company and your initial thoughts? Hey Julia, thanks for having me. So, Norican is a provider of metallic parts, manufacturing equipment and services, and its end-user markets are across a broad spectrum of sectors, including constructions, power generation, and most of all, the automotive. The automotive sectors historically generated over 50% of sales, and investors said that the notes are punished too harshly for this exposure. As you know, manufacturing in the automotive industry slowed down uh, a lot due to shortages of key components, especially semiconductors. On the other hand, Norican currently benefits from a record high backlog, which provides some revenue visibility and over half of the revenue comes from aftermarket sales, which basically is the maintenance and servicing of its existing equipment base. So these sales tend to be more stable through economic cycles than the new equipment sales business. Other positive things are the fact that Norican has a flexible cost base, which helped to restore margin to pre-pandemic level soon after the year 2020. It also generated positive levered free cash flow since 2020, partly thanks to a very low capex spending and working capital inflows. Okay, so what about liquidity and, and leverage? Liquidity looks healthy at about 200 million, although the RCF will mature in February 2023. Net leverage on the last reporting date was 3.6 times, which is lower than the net leverage at 3.9 times at which the notes were marketed at issuance in 2017. Okay, so you sound quite constructive on the company's ability to refinance the notes, don't you? Um, are there some risks uh, that investors should pay attention to? Uh, overall, yes. I'm more positive on its refinancing prospects compared to other issuers earlier just mentioned. But there are, of course, things to bear in mind, and that could undermine the company's ability to refinance. We think the demand for Norican products could remain elevated for the foreseeable future, given that its clients are raising to fulfill orders, but it may slow down, especially if there is a recession. Second, further supply chain issues could negatively impact its business. Raw material inflation could squeeze margin if not passed down to customers. 
and Norikan's main raw materials are still and fewer, and you know the fuel price at the moment is still at a very high level. Finally, the group's contracts are long-term and at a fixed prices, so there is a risk of cost overruns during the life cycle of the contract between Norikan and his clients, and there could be swings in working capital enrolled in cash generation. That being said, these risks I have just mentioned are not specific to Norikan, but to the broader market, including Norikan's peers. Thanks, Shinda, and that's all very clear. Thank you. Thank you. So now we turn to Jamie McDougall in our legal team, who wants to give us an update on what's happening in leverage finance documentation. Thank you for dialing in, Jamie. Hello. This week we want to highlight an innovation we have seen this year, which increases risk of value leakage from the group in both leveraged loans, but perhaps more surprisingly for some, high-yield bonds, which have leveraged loans in the capital structure. But a bit of background is needed first before delving into the innovation itself. In leveraged loans, there is usually an annual excess cash flow sweep, where any excess cash, as defined in the Senior Facilities Agreement, is offered to lenders in prepayment. However, there are now so many deductions in the definition of excess cash flow that the amount is so little that in most cases, the borrower is not required to sweep any amount to the lenders at all. So what's the point in having the sweep if it's useless to lenders? Exactly. Because the sweep never occurs in practice, most lenders consider the sweep redundant and that they don't need to pay attention to the sweep because any further erosions here a borrower might introduce is not going to change the fact that the sweep doesn't occur in practice. The excess cash flow definition and sweep provisions are not often a top pushback point for lenders when negotiating terms during syndication because of this. Getting rid of the sweep altogether is the ultimate erosion, and its absence is in 40 European leveraged loans that we have in our loans database. But its presence or absence is not always lender neutral. The danger for lenders lurks within the restricted payments covenant in what is called the available amount basket. Okay, so you need to give me a bit more color on what um, this basket is, the available amount basket. It's a basket for dividends and other restricted payments, and it is based on excess cash flow not required to be offered to lenders under the sweep. This amount is usually defined as retained cash. The innovation which we wanted to point out, um, which occurred this year, um, is the presence of an available amount basket in the same deal where their sweep was absent. Um, so the available amount in that deal was based on excess cash flow and not post-sweep retained excess cash flow or the so-called retained cash amount. So in that deal, the borrower is incentivized to make excess cash flow as big as possible to boost the available amount restricted payments basket rather than reduce it so nothing has to be offered to lenders under the excess cash flow sweep. Okay, I see. So lenders now have to start paying attention to the sweep provisions again? Yes. If there is an available amount basket in their deal, they need to make sure there is also a sweep present so that any incentive to boost excess cash flow and so dividend capacity through the available amount basket is reduced. And you said this was um, a risk also for bondholders? Yep. The issue is not limited to leverage loans. The available amount basket is also in some bonds, such as those for 888 Holdings and Ceram Tech. 
and the bonds cross-refer to the underlying senior facilities agreement to define what the available amount is. In effect, this cedes control of the retained cash definition for the available amount basket to the lenders. The excess cash flow basis for the available amount is initially decided upon and could be amended in future by the lenders without bondholder consent or even knowledge. So what can bondholders do to protect themselves? Although not done before under any of the bonds which have an available amount basket to date, uh, bondholders could do three things. First, they can ensure that the retained cash definition is fully set out in the offering memorandum. Second, ensure it is based on the post-excess cash sweep amount. And third, ensure the retained cash component of the available amount falls away entirely if the related leveraged loan excess cash flow sweep no longer applies, or for bond covenant purposes, assume the sweep still applies. Well, thank you for the update, Jamie. And I'm sure lenders and bondholders will sit back up and keep an eye out for this in their documents during marketing. We'd like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. More information on all of the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.